And then I want to introduce to you our guest speaker this morning. Kalei Warner has been an entrepreneur for more than 25 years. She's owned and operated everything from retail stores to real estate investment companies. Um, she uh, did that to raise her three daughters, uh, one of which had special needs. Uh, she entered then the real estate business as a uh, mortgage broker and a house flipper. <clears throat> in the course of one year, she's closed over $48 million in real estate deals. Uh, and her commitment to people has always helped her in her business ventures. She's a published author and speaks both here and abroad. And she's committed to the youth and future of America. She's created her own wealth building course to help mentor people through real estate to help them generate income. Uh, and uh, most recently, she was hired as the chief operating officer here at Cross Purpose. Uh, yes, that's a win. We had uh, 450 people apply for that job. So um, that says something about her. And uh, she was on the board, so she was my boss. But now, next week, I get to be her boss. So <laughs> watch out. Uh, Kwame's here to put a check on me, make sure I don't uh, too hard on her. But perhaps Kalei's greatest, uh, what's happening right here, is what's great because Kalei entered the change agency and picked up Tahani as her mentee. And uh, Tahani was in the same class with Jackie, and Tahani has started Brotherhood Haven, uh, which is there to mentor young men in the city. And uh, her nonprofit is just screaming, and she hopes to go full-time with that here this next year. So cross our fingers on the Caring for Denver grant, uh, yes. And her son, right here, actually stood up at pitch night and stole the whole dang show. So uh, he's, he's a king. He's a king. So good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. All right. So and perhaps what a greater picture of what impact really is like in the kingdom than to holistically love somebody and walk this road together. So without any further delay, let's welcome Clay Warner. Testing, testing. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Amen. What an honor it is to be here before you guys. Look, yeah, I can tell you that I've done many things in my life, and I'm going to get through today without crying so much, okay? <laughs> I can't promise you I'm not going to cry because this place has captured my heart, but I'm not going to cry so much so I can get some information <laughs> to you and tell you a little bit about me. But, yeah, I think... Um, I used to say that my greatest gifts and my greatest contribution to the world was my children. Um, I have three beautiful girls. Um, one I call my CEO of the family. <laughs> That's my oldest girl. You give her anything, she can run it. My husband and I had a business. She was like, mommy, let me run it, let me run it. And she would do great things. Um, the other one I call my CFO because I would give her my money. <laughs> she think like her mama, right? <laughs> She's in commercial real estate, and so that mind works as such that you can give her your finances and she can do well with them. She's a great steward. And my last baby girl, I called my master teacher because God sent her as a gift to me. She taught me what compassion looks like. For people who could not say that they needed compassion because they considered her nonverbal so she wasn't able to really tell you what she needed 
but I had to sense and I had to pray and I had to figure it out as a mom. They don't give you a book. And although my other two children were normal, as we would call it, I think she was the normal one, but <laughs> that's, an, that's another story, right? Um, she taught me so much. And I've always said that my greatest work was my children. Now I'm going to add to that and say that my greatest work really is what I do for Christ. I wanted to rear my children in a way where they would know who Christ was. So that still kind of, that narrative still applies there. But I had a lot of life that happened to me. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. But Jason mentioned my girl Tahani. T, she a superstar, y'all. If y'all don't know her, you want to know who this one is. This one right here, she's a superstar, y'all. If y'all don't know her, you want to know who this one is. There are superstars that are being birthed at a change agency. If you have not volunteered, you are missing out because they are amazing lives and gifts that are coming through that place. And all we're doing is just exhorting the gift pulling out the gift that's already in them. You know, we all born with a gift, but we don't always know what it is, right? And so for that, I say thank you guys for coming. Thank you for being here. I appreciate that. I want to thank my amazing, beautiful, wonderful husband. <laughs> Look, I found the love of my life about nine years ago, <laughs> or I married the love of my life. found him a little bit before that, but um, and I'm going to tell you a little about, a bit about my story. But when I think about how God created this man with me in mind, I know, I know that my, my king <laughs> did that just for me. Because <laughs> he knew what I was going to go through. He knew the men that I would encounter because of what I saw. I'll tell you a little bit about that. And this man came, and when I was shirting back and dialing back who God had purposed me to be, he was like, what's wrong with you? What you doing? What you doing? Because, <laughs> see, I had gone to a school and had come from this theology that women were to be subdued and quiet. And if y'all can tell, ain't nothing about me quiet, right? <laughs> like, I walk in the room, I breathe, and somebody says, is that Calais? <laughs> Because my voice carries, right? And he would say, why are you shirting back? And I would be like, what are you talking about? And he's like, we're in a meet meeting with these people. You should be, what are you doing? But I had been with a man before who was somewhat intimidated by who I was purposed to be. And so I was perpetuating that narrative when I met him. And we were business partners. We were not involved at that time. But he said, listen. I need you to be the totality of who you are so I can shine and be who I am. You don't intimidate me. You push me to be better. I learned that from that man. The fact that I am COO now, yeah, it's because of the gift that he has given me. So I thank you and I honor you for being here. I want to say thank you to Jason and Jen and Juan 
and Ron and all of you who are at Cross Purpose who embraced me, Karen, she embraced me. I came in to, to change agency and I was like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> and Karen was like, okay, tell me more. And instead of her being intimidated or anything, she was just like, all right, let's do it. And I was like, really? And so she allowed me to pour my gift out into some people that I feel like I'm one of, that I know I'm one of. And so thank you for doing that. I am so grateful that God has gotten a hold of my life and arrested me. Because <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> now it's the good kind of crazy. And I really want to do something for the kingdom because of where I come from. So let's talk about where I come from. Before we do that, Let's pray, and I'll get into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity to come before these great people and tell them about the wonders that you have performed in my life and to tell them about the redemptive story that you have done in my life. I thank you, Father, for the great work that's coming out of this place. Thank you for the hearts that are here, Father. And my prayer is that you would encourage a heart today, somebody who's here broken, who may be able to relate to my story, or who just needs a little bit of encouragement. God, you encourage, you heal, you shine. That people would know that you and you alone are the one true king. For that, we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So they say between the ages, there was a study that was done, um, and I learned this when I got into some personal development work. They say between the ages of zero to four that 50% of what a child experiences will directly affect or mold what that child thinks about himself, about God, and how it relates to the world, okay? Five to eight, they say another 30%. Then, nine to 18, they say another 15%. By the time a person is 18%, they have, be, or 18 years old, they have begun to figure out how they will relate to the world. That's important because I want to tell you what happened to me during those times in my life. That'll give you a little bit of background as to why I say that I could have been a leader. So I was born at Denver General Hospital right here in Park Hill. I grew up um, off of 36th and Hudson, right around the corner from the Holly. Well, we called it the Holly then. I think it's something different now. Skyland Park, all that was where um, I hung out quite a bit. My mom owned a duplex. And uh, then when Montbello, actually, we were like one of the first communities to move to Montbello. And so um, my mother, to me, when I was young, my mom was superwoman, right? Like she was like a superhero. Y'all talk about Black Panther, that was my mama, right? <laughs> Literally, because she was in the Black Panthers. <laughs> <But> <laughs> But she was, she was an activist, she loved people, she was always bringing people into our homes. 
And for as much love as my mother had for people, she also had, had some issues with judging character. And so I remember that um, my mother was a single parent. My father wasn't really there. And my mother, you know, she was working. She would work her fingers to the bone. She was ahead of this auxiliary and doing this and doing that. And um, oftentimes, now we, she would take us to the meetings, but she couldn't take us to work, right? So oftentimes, we were, we were watched by um, some people in her community. Sometimes when you're not so great a judge of character, you're leaving your babies and you don't know who you're leaving them with and some things happen. So from at the age of eight, I had had I had been um, assaulted and violated in so many different ways. Then, of course, as I said, my father was not really present. And so then there came this talk about being the age of eight. I began to figure out, okay, so this is how the world works. And I had a very jaded opinion and jaded glasses that I looked at everything through. Then um, my mother got married to my stepfather and um, she then started going to church. But by that time, I'm like, church, who? Right? Like, I'd lived way more life than I should have at that point, right? Because I'd been exposed to some things. So I went to first class in Montbello, sixth grade, went to... Um, High school as a middle schooler. <laughs> One year they did it. Not the best idea. They figured that out. <laughs> but the damage had already been done. So I started figuring out some other stuff about how life worked. Got my first experience with drugs. And, you know, I, 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 was, I was a tiny child, so I had to figure out how to protect myself. And I went and found the girl who I knew would beat everybody up. And we was friends, and she introduced me to all kind of stuff. So, to say the least, my life was crazy. Fast forward, I'm, eight, I'm 17, I'm laying under a bush. True story. Seven months pregnant, hiding from the FBI. It's a miracle. <laughs> Literally... There was, I'll tell you this piece of the story because I got a few more minutes. Literally, it was a car, our car, me and my ex's car, my boyfriend and girlfriend. I was carrying his child. We were coming out to get into the car. My brother called me because he was strung out on crack. And I was trying to help him in my not-so-helpful way. He had called me a name, called me to apologize. Literally, that 30-second no, probably two-minute call. My ex walking out the house, getting into the car. Five FBI agents. I was delayed. He said, I'll meet you in the car. They pull up. Then I walk out the house, and it was a little apartment, so you couldn't really see around the, the corner. I walk out the house, come around the corner, and I see a, a car pull up with guns to both sides of the car. They didn't realize I, wasn't in, I was in the I watched this. And I literally felt like there was angels that just said, pivot and walk. And I walked probably 
about a half mile pregnant and hid under a bush. And there I told God, because remember, my mother started going to church when I was 11, and I didn't want nothing to do with it, right? I said, if you get me out of this, this God my mama called on, you get me out of this one, <laughs> you ain't never got to worry about it. <laughs> Not ever. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> he did. Like, literally, like my father told the FBI agents, Mr. Friendly was his name. He said, listen, I know where she is. She's with me. If you want her, take me to jail because she's not going. The truth was that I, even though I was about that life, I was not about that life. <laughs> there was no way I could have survived. I'm seven months pregnant. I'm tiny to begin with. You know, there's all kind of things going on, doing a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have done. And yet God spared me. I got up and I said, okay. Now I begin to ask God questions. And I wish I could tell you that. After I met Jesus, that life was all roses. But it wasn't. Wish I could tell you that everything changed. And although it did, I still had some things to go through. But what I've learned <laughs> is that you'll still go through the things. Because remember, Jesus said, uh, 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 I... I, I be of good cheer. I've overcome them, right? That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have tribulation. He never promises that we wouldn't have tribulations. But he said, let me tell you something. You can smile. You can rejoice through it because I've already overcome it. Amen? So, Fast forward, I begin to turn my life around. I go to a Christian college. I mean, I, I did a 180, 360. I know that's, not, that's bad math, but it's good math for me. <laughs> I did. I, I turned that thing around. Went to school. Um, went through some more stuff. Came home. Got married. Had a, I had my little one with me. She went to college with me. Thank God. God was faithful through that all. Um, came home. Got married thinking... If I marry a Christian man, yeah, Every, everything in the garage is not a car. Everybody who calls on the name of Jesus, we still get messy and we still need deliverance and we still got stuff we got to go through, right? So I'm married. I have my two children which would make three at the time. My youngest was a, um, had required 24-hour care. And I call this the fall of Calais. <laughs> when um, my life changed tremendously and I was led on this path that got me to where I am today. And thank God I was. Um, but long story short, as I'm going through my marriage, I'm in real estate. Everything I did was in real estate. I have my baby who um, is getting progressively worse. We didn't understand what was going on. She wasn't diagnosed with Drebe syndrome until she was 15. So we lived 15 years not knowing. Imagine that, not knowing. Like she'd be walking behind me and next thing you know, she's on the ground. And I'm like, girl, get up. You being silly. I'm laughing. What you doing, girl? Her legs were giving out. Nobody could tell us why. Then, my mother, on the other side of it, I told you my mother was superwoman to me. She was amazing, like a superhero. 
And, uh, you know, you, you, you learn, well, again, <laughs> this, the, that whole age thing, when you learn what you learn, right? So here's what I learned from my mother. I learned that. As a woman, you are to do everything that you can do for your family, which is a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. But I also learned that you do that very sacrificially. Here's the problem. My husband calls this being an amateur provider when you try and be Jesus for people. Right? Right? She didn't realize that's what she was doing, but when I look back and recount her life, I could see places where she was trying to save people from themselves. <laughs> and only God can do that. And so my mother would give and give and give and give and give until she had nothing left to give. It's called, um, there, there's more than just financial bankruptcy. You guys know that. There's emotional bankruptcy. There's spiritual bank. I love the mission where it says we, we want to make it expensive relationally as well, not just with our money, but we want to give of ourselves. When my mother experienced a bankruptcy, um, and my husband can attest to this, she was going through something. So imagine this, my daughter's losing her legs, she's losing her ability to talk, skills are just leaving because of various things that were happening with medicines that we were giving her under the, the, the doctor's care, of course, and then my mother is over here and she has a psychotic break that she still hasn't recovered from today. And so I learned that. I learned that I got to give and give and give and give and give. Um, and I did that until I couldn't do it anymore. So God is faithful. I fell. <laughs> I fell hard, too. I will be the first to tell you, like Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. I could have been called the woman at the well. I could have been called one of the publicans. I could have been called a sinner. You know, the publicans and the sinners are different people, right? Because of, yeah, I was all of that. And I left the church. I was like, you know what, God, I love you. I'll never leave you again because I had done that before, and that didn't work out that well for me. So I said, I love you. I'll never leave you again. But your bride, she crazy. And it ain't my kind of crazy, because I told you I'm crazy too, right? <laughs> Two crazies like that don't work. <laughs> so I left the church. I, I really did. I left the church and said, I need to go do something different. I was hanging out with this guy right here. <laughs> and this guy, in his complex, as a matter of fact, was like, hey, y'all want to come to church with me? And um, he said, yeah. And he asked me, and I was like, all right, cool, let's go. I had no idea what I was there for because <laughs> I was clear I wasn't going back to church. I'll visit, but I'm not going. So I told the pastor when we were there, I said, listen, because I sing praise and worship, I will not sing on your praise team. I will not give you my tithe and don't ask me to do nothing. And he said to me, listen, if you just sit in the back and you get healed, I'm good with it. When our baby girl passed, I couldn't have been nowhere else but sanctuary because those people rallied around me to help me, to give me some encouragement. They taught me and my husband how to grieve in truth. Yeah, grieve, but don't grieve as if you don't have no hope because she with Jesus now. 
She is where you want to be. It taught me some stuff. It also taught me about um, being able to love people with grace. I've been trying to leave for a minute. <laughs> I have. <laughs> you laughing because I told my husband a couple of years ago, and I'll bring it to today. I said, listen, I need to do something different. I don't know what you're going to do, but I need to do something different. <laughs> I said, um, I want to go and explore something else. I said, you know, this is a faith walk, and I don't feel like I have the faith to walk this thing out. And what I'm doing is not moving the needle in my life, and I need to do something different. And he was like, well, hold on. I'm going too. Let's go. <laughs> we got on our face, and we begin to seek the Lord and ask God. There was some stuff that was happening that did not make sense from a spiritual perspective, from a natural perspective. We were under attack and we didn't even realize it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 5 and 17, I'm going to read that scripture because I want to tell you about a couple of things that I've learned through my journey and throughout my years. But 1 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul was telling the church of Thess Thess Thessalonica, excuse me, be aware, be on guard. There's some things that are going to happen. Be aware, be on guard. We, we, we was lulled to sleep. You know, we, we, we living okay. You know, we, we got, we have our comfort creatures, cre our creature comfort, excuse me. First world problems at the end of the day, right? I'm not struggling like I was before. We in a completely different place. So we cool. We were complacent. We were complacent. And God shook that up tremendously. And I remembered that one of the things that God taught me in, in my life was this. Um, he taught me about giving thanks in all things. Scripture says, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. I will tell you that I talked to a naturopath, and I was telling her a little bit about my story, and she was like, wow, how did you get through? <laughs> and I thought to myself, it's because God put a song in my heart long time ago, even before I was saved. I was singing gospel music. He's so strategic. <laughs> He's so strategic. I didn't want nothing to do with Christ, and yet I was singing gospel music. I had a friend who could sing really good, and me and him sung together, and he was giving me, okay, learn this song, learn this song. And then when I did get saved, I'm sitting in church, and I'm like, oh, that's the commission song. They're like, no, that's the scripture. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> but he put a song in my heart. I don't rejoice because of what I go through, but I rejoice because I go through it with him. When I found out that warfare is in praise and worship, that when you open your mouth and y'all up here singing songs, you're not just singing songs. You are fighting the enemy territory in the name of Jesus because there's warfare in praise and worship. When you're going through what you are going to go through, because some of y'all ain't even been through it yet. When you go through it, 
Know that your praise is a weapon. Your worship is a weapon. And when you use it, you spike the head of the enemy, just like God created you to do. The other thing I learned is to pray. I learned something about prayer. And for me, prayer is not just prayer, it's partnership with God. I did a, I did a, a message at my church that talked about prayer. And as I was going through it, I was listening to Dr. Miles Monroe, one of my favorite pastors to listen to, great man in the kingdom of God who's gone on. And he talked about prayer and he said, how do you go to war and you don't get instructions when, from your prayer life? Because here's the, here's the deal, we're at war, right? Y'all know that because you guys are on the front line. Cross Purpose is on the front line of the war that we're at. But we're at war whether you know it or not. And here's what happens. If you're on the battlefield and you don't know it's a battlefield and you bring your Tonka toys with you, <laughs> right? You got your iPhone, you lulled out on whatever social media. <laughs> you're, you're watching television. For me, I'm a big TV person. And so I'm being lulled to sleep by these little creature comforts. And the enemy is taking territory, taking territory. And so we got on our face and we begin to pray and we begin to fast. There's so much power in fasting. You want to break the, 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 the back of the devil, you begin to fast over what you need and what you want in your life. And watch God work. Watch him work. Some things come out by prayer and fasting. We begin to fast. And what I learned is that God wants to see me successful and living, and I'm not talking about houses and cars and none of that stuff. He wants to see me healthy emotionally and spiritually and financially and physically. Why? Because I'm his partner in the earth. I'm his partner in the earth. God uses you to get his will done in the earth. Who will he use? That's the way he set it up. So although God is big enough to do anything, because he set it up that way, that's the way he works. And so I begin to say, all right, God, here am I. Use me. Use me. Because you guys heard me say some of the things that I went through. I could have been a leader here at Cross Purpose. I went from six figures to $2,000 a month with three babies and one who required 24-hour care by myself as a single parent. Ask me, do I know about Medicaid? Ask me, do I know about food stamps? Ask me, because I do. I could have been one of those people. And I was a broken woman. Could I have used community? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I laid on my face and said, God, here am I. And the opportunity came up for the COO position even. I was like, God, if you want me to do it, you're going to have to do that. Because <laughs> on paper, I don't look like most of them, I'm sure. <laughs> but I humbly said, if you want me to do it, I want to, I just, and I told Jason, I said, I don't know how I get involved, but I just want to get involved some kind of way. You tell me, let's talk about it. We sat down and we had dinner and we started talking about it. And I had no idea that God was going to do what he would do. Had no idea. 
I like my freedom. You know, I've been taking care of somebody since I was 17. And I'm still taking care of my mama. So I like my freedom. I miss some things in life. You know, while, while, while my friends was traveling and hanging out and having fun, I was at home taking care of a baby. I was in school taking care of a baby, going to school by myself with my child. <laughs> you know, you in college, you supposed to be going to college parties? Uh, nope. I need babysitters for school. I don't need them for that foolish, for me, right? Not for that foolishness. But I missed a lot of things. And so I was like, man, I, I, me and my husband, we, we hop on the plane in a half a second <laughs> and get out of Dodge in another country. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't want to get that up. Like, nah, nah. <laughs> but here's what I've learned in my entrepreneurship life. I've learned that if you find out what it is that you will do for free and you do it, you're in passion. You're in passion. Yeah. You want to know what your passion is? Try doing something for free. Because I would work, me and my husband both, he's working tirelessly, I'm working tirelessly. And then Tuesday night come, we on our way to cross purpose. And I'd be dog tired when I got here, but being around these people and in the midst of my tribe, I would walk out of that place on cloud 11. <laughs> Who said nine? What's nine at? <laughs> I would. I would be so pumped because it was like I'm in the midst. I'm in the midst of what God is doing. I'm in the midst of what God, I'm in the midst of what God is doing. Even when at dinner, I don't know if you remember this, Jason was like, so da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and this is da-da. And I'm like, why are you going to pay me to do something I do for free? <laughs> Uh, but this was my passion. I fell in love with this place. I can tell you this about being all in. I have been all in with Jesus because I love him. I love him. He has been my redeemer. He has been my rock. He is the very reason that I have not lost my mind. I lost a child. At one point in my group of friends, I was called the Job of the group because I was going through so much stuff, just thing after thing after thing after thing, going through it financially, going through it spiritually, going through it emotionally, going through it with my family, my baby losing a leg, my mama losing her mind. Like I was, and it was just me. My brother was in jail at that point, and it's just me and my brother to take care of my mom. And then... To add on top of that, my dad decides at 50, he wants to go and try a crack pipe. Crazy. And gets addicted. So they was like, man, you, you Job. Like, what's wrong with you? What did, what did you do? And that's what I asked God, what did I do? I'm sorry. Whatever it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> Take this from me. That was then, but here's what I can tell you. I married the love of my life. I went through and I got some healing. I did some work that my mother did not know about doing. I did some work on myself internally and went and sought healing 
and not healing the way they talk about healing. I don't want that fake healing. I don't want to come to the altar and lay out and then go out and do the same thing. Later for that. I ain't got time for it because I got babies who are watching me. I got three girls who look at me and say, what is my mama doing? Because I want to be just like her. Mm. Just like I did with my mama, right? Just like you did with yours. Just like your children are doing with you. We have a beautiful business, Gold Star Hot Links. You may have heard about it. And um, <laughs> come get some hot legs from us. Yes. We're going to take that commercial. Yes. <laughs> Tell them Calais sent you. We got something for you. <laughs> and um, even more than that, I'll tell you this. Because I have done my work, and I'm going to tell you, I am a, a, a huge proponent of therapy. I'm a huge proponent of journaling. I'm a huge proponent of laying on my face before God. I'm a huge proponent of whatever it takes to get healing. Because there's somebody behind you who's counting on it. Brotherhood Haven, they counting on it. Beloved grand families, they counting on it. These are women who have done their work, right? And I still have a lot of work to do. Can I tell you that I have not arrived? I'm, I told y'all I'm crazy, right? I just want to make sure y'all know. I still got a lot of work to do. But here's what I learned. I learned that as I do my work, that I am able to change the trajectory of the little eyes who are watching me, namely my children. I'll end with this. It is... When I was in my 30s, I'll never forget this. I was sitting under a stairwell of Lehman Brothers where I worked. And I get a phone call from my mother. And she said, I'm going to kill myself. I can't do this no more. She said, I can't do it. And I said, wait a minute, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm at work. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure it out. I was faced with the decision whether to call the police, whether to call. I, don't, I didn't know who to call. I didn't know what to do. I get back on the phone with her and I said, Mom, I've called the police. They're going to come. And they're going to see what's going on because I can't even get there on, in time. Like, I'm an hour, I'm 45 minutes away at, at, at least in traffic, right? So I called the police. And my mother's on the phone and she begs me. She said, don't do it, please. Don't call them because they're going to take me to jail and they're going to do this. And they gonna, she was just scared. She didn't know. And I was scared too because I didn't know either. But I was like, I would rather have you in a place where I know you're safe because be, being able to say that my mama's gone is not an option. So I'm faced with this in my 30s. I told you my mother had a psychotic break and she never came back from it. So I've told my husband this. I'm like, you know, I'm scared because we got this mental thing going on in our family. I was telling Jason this morning 
Thank you, John. I appreciate that. I was looking for the tissue box. <laughs> we got this mental illness thing going on in our family. Can I tell you that my mother was around the same age that I am now? She had a break. I'm breaking the curse. I'm breaking the curse. For the children of mine who are coming after me, for the spiritual children who are coming after me, for the kingdom of God, I am breaking the curse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Sometimes you don't understand a person's praise because you don't know they, they almost lost their mind. You don't know. Sometimes you see us with this crazy praise, we jumping up and down. For me, many a days, it was because I was losing my mind. But it was the God that I served that was able to keep my mind. He was able to keep me according to his word, according to his glory, so that I could come and give my life's work to cross purpose. So that I can live my life out with this beautiful man right here who loves me. Who loves me more than I've ever been loved before. He had another plan for me. And I want you to know, he got a plan for you. But you got to seek his face. Ask him what his plan is. Ask him what his plan is if you don't know, baby girl. He's got a plan for you. And it is for good and not for evil to bring you a future and a hope. That's what God's plan is. I have not always known his plan. <laughs> I've not always seen his hand in my life. But I've always been exposed to his heart. And there came a time where I just had to simply say, I believe. I believe. I believe it, God. I believe it, God. <laughs> Even now, in this position, I believe it, God. I believe you have something for me. There's a gift in me that God wants to get out to the people, and there's a gift in them that he wants to get to me. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. So as the praise and worship team comes back, I want you to know, as the people come up who want to pray, if you need prayer today, if you need something from God, don't be silent. Don't sit in the place where you say, where you come into this beautiful place where there is healing, where there is hope, and you walk out without healing or hope. Don't come here and allow that to take place. But I want you to know, I want to say thank you first and foremost. Thank you for your heart towards the leaders because that was me. Thank you. You do a great work. But the other thing that I want to tell you is that we all have more work to do, not just for the kingdom, but in here, internally, because we're a broken people. We're a broken people. And you know what? The good news, I know the repairer of the breach. Hallelujah. And so do you. So thank you for allowing me to tell you my story and to share with you what God has put on my heart. I'm honored to be here. And with that, thank you.